Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello and thank you so much for tuning into this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each of the 12 episodes, I'll be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. The benefits of exercising are indisputable, but for all sorts of reasons, we might not be getting the results we want. While we can think that we've got a regime down to a T, there are so many factors affecting our performance and ultimately our physical and mental health too. This week's Food for Thought sees trainer Sohee Lee and I explore the mistakes we could be making when it comes to exercise and how we can alter these to transform our fitness. Hello Sohee. Hi, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm delighted to be able to speak to you. Um, Let's talk about fitness and something that I know you're extremely passionate about. And I think one thing that's so concerning for um, health professionals like yourself is the fact that Get Fit Quick seems to be what every program and every app says. But can you really do that, Get Quick Fit? Well, I think first it's important to define what people mean when they say they want to get fit, right? And I think the the norm, at least amongst women, is that when they say they want to get fit, they typically want to look a certain way. And they uh, usually that entails shedding a certain degree of body fat. And when it comes to achieving fast results, the the, the real risk that I see comes in what it would require to achieve those results quickly. And typically that involves relying on very drastic measures mm. um, that in and of themselves maybe are not problematic. They typically are. But the, the issue more so is what do you do once you're done? What do you do once you reach the finish line? And people typically don't think beyond once I get to my goal, what am I going to do after that? What's my 
plan for my everyday behaviors and how am I going to reconcile with the fact that I no longer have this ambitious goal to shoot for. Not only that, there are, but there are a lot of uh, mindset traps that people fall into, mm. very all or nothing, black or white, and it can be very difficult to move away from that, uh, especially if you have been, not been taught any skills or, or behaviors or anything with proper guidance to navigate your way on your own for actual sustainable results. 100%. It's almost like a kind of propaganda of the fitness industry and you kind of need to be able to see and read um, past the lines, as they say, um, or in between the lines, rather. Oh, How yeah. then, I mean, how can you make these intentions a reality? Because it's all very well us saying, well, you need to look at it realistically, but how do people do that, Sohi? Yes. Well, okay, so here's what I think a lot of people do when they, they set out different fitness goals. I think they focus too much on the end result um, and not enough on what are you going to do to get there and are these actual realistic behaviors that you can keep up over the long haul. Now, I'm not saying that to get to your goal, you have to keep up the same behaviors that you plan on continuing afterward necessarily. You can adopt some, for the time being, some temporary behaviors. Maybe you can crank things up a tiny bit, knowing that um, you probably won't keep it up over the long haul, but just to get you to where you wanna be, you'll adopt these behaviors. But the, the point is there there has to be some kind of careful thought process, planning process that goes into it. Um, because if you're, for example, uh, slashing your calories down to, you know, 800 a day or something like that, hmm. you probably don't think about how it's going to make you feel five days in uh, and how cranky and low energy and moody and uh, not only that, but what other nutrients are you depriving yourself of in the process? Hmm. So these are a lot of mistakes that are made that m people don't realize, okay, this is going to make things a lot more uncomfortable and a lot more difficult than you probably anticipated, which makes the likelihood that you will continue these behaviors very, very low. And that's the yeah. big problem. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think the concern about, particularly for obviously my field, nutritional deficiencies when people do slash their calories like yeah. that, um, it's scary. Iron deficiency is a big one. Of course, it's so common already yes. here in the UK. And it's very easy to do. And I don't think people realize that. So you touched on mood as well, how it can impact our mood. So what can we do, I guess, to, to aid our performance with the with mood? Is it doing the workout first or it's like chicken and the egg or does the mood come after we've done the workout? <laughs> Ooh, I think it's really tricky. I think they go, it's kind of go, they gotta go hand in hand, you know, I think um, certainly if it's a workout that you actually enjoy, right, that's an important key point too is are you actually doing things that you, you look forward to? If it's a workout you enjoy, then hopefully you should leave the workout feeling better and in a better mood. But of course, there are going to be some exercise modalities that certain people simply do not enjoy, simply despise. And if that's the case, then maybe uh, what they're feeling during the workout is not excitement. And when they finish the workout, it's not that they're in a better mood, maybe they feel relief that they, mm. that is done. I don't know. Uh, but assuming that it is a fun workout, uh, yes, it, it should help you be in a better mood. And overall, not just on a workout per workout basis, but on a maybe a weekly workout schedule, if you're able to successfully adhere to your planned, your planned workouts, whether that be three workouts a week or four or five, that is going to 
help with building up your feelings of self-efficacy. Um, and that's then going to make it more likely that you keep up these behaviors over the long run, thus the long haul, thus helping you in the uh, behavior change outcome goal achievement process. And that's another component that a lot of people do not consider. Um, mm. And it's a big part of why I'm such a huge component of, are you actually setting realistic behavior goals that you can, you can adhere to most of the time? Yeah, because this is the thing, and it's the same in nutrition. Psychology and nutrition work hand in hand, but psychology and fitness does. Just It's like a triangle, isn't it, as well as nutrition. In fact, yes. it's more than a triangle. It's a big circular pie with <laughs> every single factor. And I love that you mentioned self-efficacy. That's something I did my first ever dissertation on, but to do with diet, Pandora's cool. theory. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... I remember that, anyway, I'm not going to go off topic with that actually because I could chat about that forever, but you're right about the fact that it's not just about a schedule and, oh, I feel great after that workout. It is making it realistic because otherwise we're setting ourselves up for failure and that feeling and that emotion is something we cannot control, so it's better in the first place. I think to create healthy habits because if something becomes habitual, we're more likely, aren't we, to... Um, to stick to it but equally habits can also negatively affect our results with exercise don't they yes absolutely and what's tricky is that your brain does not differentiate between mm. um I, I put this in quotes good versus bad habits as in you know helpful habits versus unhelpful habits mm. um that they they work the same way in your brain but what's nice is um, i like to place an emphasis on building up and focusing on the the right habits that you want to add into your life rather than simply saying, these are the habits that I want to break. Yes. Um, so shifting on, focusing more on the positive, on adding versus yeah, subtracting. I guess starting from whatever you're capable with as well, because uh, I guess in terms of, if we go back to the mood question, even just getting outside and getting fresh air and going for a walk, it doesn't even always have to be a workout. It's going to contribute towards a goal of, I guess, becoming fit, isn't it? It doesn't have to always be a scheduled, or perhaps you disagree, um, a scheduled specific workout. I think it can be almost anything. I think that if you can be specific yet flexible with your plan mm. um, that gives you cl enough clarity so that you know what you're doing but enough wiggle room so that if something comes up in your life you're not throwing in the towel completely um, that is the right mindset to have and yes there are you can do other you don't have to do a specific workout you can just go out for a nice stroll if you want depending on how you're feeling so there are lots of different ways to to make progress yeah, completely. And something I love about you is that you're always very honest about this. And I think you appreciate the fact that people's day jobs will, of course, have an impact on our physical health performance and what we're capable of, which I guess comes down again to being realistic. Completely. And I think <laughs> the... I feel like it's an uphill battle a lot of times because especially mm -hmm. on social media, I mean, I love social media for many reasons, but I'm sure you know how frustrating it can be a lot of times. And when I see other fitness trainers telling their audience, there is no such thing as balance. You have to go all in. Um, you have mm -hmm. to be hardcore. It's all about self-control. All of these things, uh, to me, continue to perpetuate this incorrect notion 
that you have to throw yourself into whatever you're doing 100% and it has to feel like you're suffering and you have to give up your entire life to achieve your goal. And while that may, the idea of it may sound impressive to a lot of people, especially with, for example, New Year's resolutioners, they want to set ambitious goals. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I would have no issues with it if people had no problem actually achieving goals in that way but as you know that's not how it works out and um it's always that they they forget to consider this is going to be a lot harder than you realize this you're going to be a lot more uncomfortable than you realize because right now you are feeling highly motivated you are well fed you are well rested you are in a good mood so it's difficult to empathize with how you may feel in a future situation when you don't feel these things when you feel the opposite and this is what we call um the the hot cold empathy gap Mm. oh it's so interesting isn't it and i yeah i guess it doesn't also i think for people online as well if we if we talk about empathy as well in particular people experience a lot of fear a lot of nerves a lot of anxiety when it comes to behavior change or I guess living up to anything you see online all these particularly dogmatic voices that say it's their way or the highway so yes what, what can people do to decipher or switch off from this Ooh, that is a big so question. tricky. Yes, I was just having a conversation with some with some friends yesterday about exactly this. What is the best way to to address this kind of stuff, and how do you know what to look out for? Um, I think for me, my approach has always been to simply go into learning information from people, especially if I don't know them that well, I don't know their background. With um, be somewhat skeptical. Be maybe curious but skeptical, and typically if they're um, making very wild claims and then conveniently selling a product or a service along with it, it's probably something to be suspicious of. Um, and that's that's been pretty effective so far. <laughs> and uh, at least for me, because I know not everyone has you know the ability to or confidence to go in and you know read research papers on their own. But you know I I can. I can go back and look up different research to be like, I wonder if this claim has any validity, has any scientific support. Um, and then from there, I can make my own decisions, which is nice for me. Um, but I think overall, uh, typically trying to avoid anyone making very extreme claims is probably mm -hmm. going to be a good bet. Anyone telling you that you need to give up X, Y, Z things in your life, that you, you, need, you need to make drastic sacrifices, um, such as cutting out entire food groups. Probably yeah. <laughs> something to be a little bit more wary of. I love that. Really sound advice. And equally, I guess, as well as people telling you to take things out, people saying that you have to supplement or you have to do this. And basically, yes. there is no black or white, I think. And, right. Um, how do you also conquer from your aspect there that these people perhaps using apps or online programs, they don't have a qualified trainer in the room with them. So there's probably quite a high percentage of exercises being performed incorrectly. So I guess there isn't a way to prevent this, but what would be your advice um, for people following? Yeah, so that is really, really tricky. So uh, several years ago when I started um, training people in person and online, I realized very quickly that basically, you know, training beginners online was 
a lot more dangerous than training an experienced person for reasons that you just mentioned. Mm. Um, a lot of times you, uh, even if you're telling them all the right coaching cues, they might think they're doing the, exactly what you're saying, but maybe if the, the body awareness or the movement skill is not there yet, um, mm. then what they might be actually doing may be very different from what they think in their head is actually going on. And uh, the the biggest issue with that is primarily from a safety standpoint, right? Because you don't want people getting hurt. So absolutely, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be following along different workouts they see online, um, perhaps with questionable form. And so for me, um, I always try to make it clear, you know, who this workout is for if I'm sharing a workout um, and try to give form pointers, knowing again that not everyone might get it right still. If you're a beginner, um, I try to recommend recruiting the help of a qualified in-person trainer at least for the first few months although i know right now things are a little bit different um, but in normal circumstances if you can get an in-person trainer to help with um, maybe if they can help out with providing specific tactile cues you know if they mm -hmm. put their hand on your low back while you do a certain exercise will you you know will that help you with your form a little bit things like that um and that can be tremendous not just that but for the actual person doing the workouts too it can help them um once again build self-efficacy in knowing oh mm -hmm. i have a qualified trainer standing with me watching over my form telling me that my reps look good that makes me feel better and more confident in what i'm doing right and so then they're yeah. more willing to then uh maybe grab a heavier pair of weights or add an extra rep um, because of that. So that's another component. Um, but I think overall, yes, recruiting the help of a qualified trainer or if there are some, uh, maybe you can follow some more like beginner pages where they break down exercises, they regress them back to its more um, beginner forms that mm -hmm. you can more confidently do. Uh, if you can, I recommend filming yourself doing an exercise and then watch back your own form. You don't have to post it for anyone to see. I found that tremendously helpful for even something as simple as the squat. Because you yes. might find, oh, I'm not going nearly as deep as I thought I was in my head now that I'm watching this back, for example. So that can be really helpful. I guess it's the ultimate conundrum that we have an online world now, essentially more, more popular than ever before. And we do have to adapt to doing things this way. So it's really good. Thank you for those tips and for the yeah. advice, because it, it's given access to people that would never have had it, perhaps something wonderful. But that's a whole other podcast, I think, discussing how can we move the world online. Um, let, let's talk about numbers then, um, which, again, I think can can be emotive for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of talk online about um, calorie deficits, um, that you only see results if you see it written down in a statistic or statistical format. Do you think numbers and results can perhaps hinder goals for people? Hmm. Tricky. Do you mean in terms of calories and things like that? I guess also perhaps let's say a gym piece of equipment um, says, right, you've done half an hour on what we call the cross trainer or the elliptical and you've burned uh, 250 calories. Therefore, perhaps the target was to be on for 45 minutes or to make a higher calorie um, output. So you stop because you've reached it or you don't stop because you haven't reached the number. Gotcha. This one is another tricky. I really <laughs> Sorry, I'm asking them all. <laughs> no, it, it's important because 
I wish that there were fewer questions that had where the correct response was like it depends, you know. Yeah. But I yeah, really yeah. think that it varies from one person to the other because I was I actually just talked about this on my on my own social media platform last week where I said, look, I know for me I have a certain running goal, which is why I'm doing these specific workouts. Um, and I'm, t- I'm tracking my performance every week. Mm. And my goal every week is to improve my performance. So I am absolutely um, timing how fast I can run an 800 meter um, for four sets, things like that. And I said, I know that that's what makes it fun for me. And that's what keeps me coming back because that is in- conducive to my ultimate performance goal. However, I know that for other people, this might be very anxiety inducing. This might be the mm-hmm. very thing that makes it not fun for someone else where they're like, I don't want the pressure of having to feel like I have to run faster every time. And they yeah. just want to show up and get a sweat on for 30, 40 minutes and go home. And they're fine with that. And so I said, you know what, if that's your goal, that is completely okay. You do not have to um, improve your performance necessarily depending on what your goal is. And trying to do what I'm trying, what I'm doing might be the thing that gets you to stop running, stop doing cardio. It might, you know, have the opposite effect for you. Whereas for me, it keeps me showing up. And so I do think that tracking progress in some way, shape or form is going to be helpful. Absolutely. Um, But then it comes down to what are the things that you should actually be measuring? Yep. Right. And maybe um, for cardio, yeah, for cardio, maybe it's just a matter of being active in some way, shape, or form and getting your heart rate elevated for 20 minutes or longer. Maybe that's just the goal. And if that's the case, then you can just say, you know, any cardio modality for a minimum of 20 minutes up to, I don't know, 45 minutes, uh, do whatever you enjoy at this rough intensity. And maybe that is enough to get you moving in the right direction. But then other things, like when you're tracking your behavior adherence, your habit adherence, that might be more important to track with specific numbers in, in terms of, okay, at, now some, now the end of the week, let's look back, what has your uh, behavior adherence been in terms of total mm. percentage-wise? And is it is it 90% or higher, which, it, which should be the goal? Because if it's not, um, it's probably not going to be as effective in getting you to where you want to be, right? Because adherence is key. And if that's the case, then how can we um, either modify the target behavior to make it more doable to help increase your adherence, or how can we change your uh, immediate environment to make the behavior easier to do? There are lots of different ways to tackle this, uh, but absolutely, I think that numbers can be helpful. It really comes down to a matter of what numbers are you tracking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which are the really important ones, and which ones can you ignore and not not concern yourself with? Absolutely, it's it's just so much more. Uh, another thing that just um, I just thought of when you were saying that was the fact that for women as well, of course, they may want to change those numbers or those goals or anything that they're working with if mm-hmm. numbers works for them. Obviously, there are two types of people throughout their menstrual cycle. There's so many different yes. areas of their life. Um, perhaps they're going through a lot of stress at work or this applies to men and women, all genders. What about the other extreme that I see online all the time? So um, taking a rest, which some people will say we definitely don't rest enough or that's all we should be doing. And other people say, oh, never take a rest, you know, rest is for the week, that kind of um, attitude. Do you think this can have a big knock-on effect physically and psychologically? 
Yes. <laughs> rest rest is could because how much rest is ideal for for everyone. Right? I think、mm-hmm. dif- different people have different recovery capacities. Some people may feel more easily run down than others.、Um, but I overall, I, I am of the opinion, generally speaking, that、um, a lot of people are either not, not actually taking enough rest or they are taking rest, but they're feeling guilty about it because they've、mm-hmm. been taught to believe that they should always be working themselves into the ground. Um, so that's kind of where I stand with that. And I think, as, term, as far as what amount of rest is optimal for the individual, I typically say something along the lines of whatever amount is going to help you feel recovered for your, for your workouts, for your sessions,、um, so that you can keep making progress towards your goals, again, whatever that is,、um, without feeling burnt out. And if you wake up starting to feel Uh, like maybe your workout performance is suffering,、um, that may come down to are you actually getting enough rest? Of course, there are other factors at play here, of course, like your nutrition,、um, but that's one of the variables I would definitely be looking at. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's so important. And then you have also the, the online demon of comparison, which everybody's now experiencing more than ever before. And I know that when we were doing in person fitness classes, I think people found that very difficult. but... Is it helpful in, sometimes? I, d- I don't think it's discussed in that way. It's always seen very negatively, which of course it can be a huge hindrance, but can it ever be、yeah. helpful as well? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.comslash people today. I think, it, yes, I think it can be helpful, and it really comes down to how. The individual is perceiving that comparison and how they're interpreting that comparison. For example, if I have, I'm going to use a non fitness example, more of a career example. If I have someone who I look up to in the industry who is maybe 10, 20 years ahead of me career wise,、um, and I'm comparing myself to them, I might、mm. use that as inspiration for myself. Saying, wow, if I keep this up for the next however many years, I could maybe find myself in that same position or similar position one day. How amazing would that be? And that might、mm. motivate me.、Um, but I think if you're using it as a means of, wow, that person is all the way there and you're down here, really, that's all you're doing, of course, which is, I think, maybe 
the norm in, in, in how typical people typical people typically view comparisons, of course, that can be very self-defeating and that might actually be demotivating. Um, yeah. So I don't think that in comparisons are inherently com- harmful at all. Um, but yes, how you interpret that comparison is going to be very, very important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. A lot of things are down to individual interpretation. And yes. it's almost, um, <laughs> it, it, that's why I love these discussions that we have on Food for Thought, because it's const- it's constantly about, of course, even science, you know, how you interpret science, how people view it. Obviously, there are statistical facts, but then it's how they can be applied. And yes, it, I, I mean, if you're looking at fitness, which we are, we are today, one of the big um, areas that, that I think confuses people, and it's the same in the nutrition and health world, is what should you be looking for? Or who rather should you be looking for to help you with your fitness journey? Are there any specific qualifications? Is it well regulated as an industry? Is it not? How? What do people look out for? Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard. Oh. It's like it's a minefield. Yeah. Well, I think obviously having the proper credentials is important. Um, And ideally for like nutrition, for example, um, if you can have someone who is a registered dietitian or has similar, similar level qualifications where, you know, it's not a weekend certification um, would be nice. Uh, I think with personal training that is a little more open because there are so many different certifications you can go through. Um, Mm. And, and especially when you're sifting online, I would also be looking for someone who, whose values align with yours. And usually you can actually get a really good sense of their values just by scrolling through their posts, seeing what they talk about, you know, what's important to them, um, what the, what they say is not okay, what is okay, you get a sense of how they coach people and see who you resonate with. And I think that's really uh, an overlooked component of of having a professional relationship with someone is not just do they have the knowledge, but will you t- will that you will the two of you uh, be on the same wavelength with communication with person like personality wise? Are you going to be a good fit? Um, because you know a lot of times I, I I say this more more and more lately actually. It does not matter how much someone knows if they don't know how to help you. Mm, yeah, 100%. and a lot of that does come down to to proper communication is do they have empathy when you open up about a struggle are they shaming you or are they helping you yeah you know yeah it's the it's almost the same as the language that's used um in terms of showing kindness how you speak to someone yeah because other people will thrive off a pt or a personal trainer that supports them it's really empathetic and other people will need a personal trainer that's a bit more straight down the line no time for that kind of thing, you know? I guess it, yeah. it comes down to what people need too, right? Yes, absolutely. And and people should you'll know, I think, when you when you scroll through their pages or you interact with them, like does this make does this interaction make me feel good? Or does it make me feel mm. like I'm being babied? Or is it too harsh? Right? Yeah. And um there are what what's great is there you have an unlimited number of options for people to yeah. help you potentially. <laughs> um and w- which is I think it's a great thing because um you have you're not stuck with any single person and you can always take a few weeks, a couple of months to sh- you know, shop around, look around, see who who you like the most, who you think is the <laughs> best fit for you. 
Yeah. It's Shop that, around and I think, for your PT. Yes, Love it. <laughs> yes. Do that rather than just looking at, oh, this, but this trainer has great client transformations. I'm going to fork mm. over my money. That's not enough, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, right? 100%. And it leads me on to questions from our audience today. So Ella has said, do you have any tips um, for me? I'm in my 50s. Is it too late to start taking up a fitness program? It's never too late. Yay. (laughs) It is never too late. Um, Just well, a few months ago, I was posting about my mom, who at the time was 59. Um, Mm -hmm. She's 60 now, but I was like, she's basically a beginner to lifting. And here she is doing a beginner full body workout that I'm taking her through. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? A lot of people would say after a certain age, it's too late to start anything, any project, any hobby, any skill. Um, It's too late to start lifting. It's never too late. And um, I think that's what's so great about strength training and fitness and all these things is, and behavior change and habits is, there's never a time point where it's like, these no longer apply to you because of your age <laughs> cut off. You know, you should have started this when you were in your 20s, in your 30s. Um, there's yeah. nothing like that at all. And a lot of the same lessons for, these are the foundations of, of how to improve your nutrition. These are the places mm-hmm. where you want to start. Probably going to be more or less the basics anyway. The basics are going to be the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess, I mean, in your 50s as well, or whatever age, you're helping prevent your risk of illness, um, you're strengthening your bone mass, muscle mass, all all of it. So these are really important things. So no matter what the age, it's always going to be beneficial. Um, Patrick has also said, (laughs) this made me chuckle a little bit because I know so many people like this, um, to really aid my performance, do I need to give up the booze? (laughs) From Patrick. (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it needs to be given up completely, um, but if certainly you don't want to be having, you know, an entire bottle of wine every night. It's probably not going to be the most helpful thing, um, mm. but if we can learn to moderate it, right, have very specific yeah. limits on your alcohol intake, and if you're able to uh, successfully adhere to that, then absolutely it can be um, completely fine, especially if it's something like one or two glasses on the weekends. Um, yeah. I see absolutely no issue issue with that at all. Um, brilliant but then of course I think yeah I think I think alcohol can be tricky though because you know of course some there are going to be some people who have a lot more difficult time um, moderating and it is different from food in that you know you could get by without it Mm. right and I I do think that for certain people maybe complete abstinence is going to have to be the answer Um, whereas other people many other people are able to successfully um really moderate their intake and, and, and do fine in that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's definitely all about moderation and, and doing what works for you. Sinead has asked, so he, um, she said, I know exercise helps me, but I feel too tired to do it. How do I change? Got it. My immediate thought was, what do you, what do you count as exercise? Yeah. And when you do your workouts, what types of workouts are you doing? Because are you doing workouts that are maybe too long to where when you are feeling tired, you're like, mm, this is going to take me an hour. I'm too tired to do this. Um, are you doing workouts that you don't look forward to that are not fun for you? Right? Mm-hmm. Because let's say if I said for now, and this is this brings us back to behavior adherence. Let's say for now, I said, 
okay, I know you're very tired. I know that um, you've been having a difficult time sticking to your traditional workouts. What if I said um, three nights, three times a week at any time of day that is best for you, let's do a 10-minute session in your living room or wherever is mm-hmm. most convenient for you. If I said let's do 10 minutes, would you be willing to do it no matter how tired you felt, knowing that it was very short and only three times a week, right? Mm-hmm. So this is an example of how I've scaled back um, a behavior to make it very, very doable to where it relies on very low levels of motivation to happen. And this is the opposite of how a lot of people actually approach the behavior change process. They go they go hard and heavy right away. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. We want to set behavior goals that don't require high levels of motivation so that when you are feeling super tired, you can still say, you know what, um, I, st- I can still do this. I can still do this. Yeah. Then again, as we as we go back to and end of the week, you have 100% adherence. How are you going to feel about yourself knowing that you successfully hit three out of three workouts? And then you can build mm. from there over time. Yeah. There you go. I, it's completely true. It's just um, making it work for you. And it's if you dread something, I mean, I know how it feels when you dread it. It's just not the right thing for you, I think. Just find something Abs- else. Yes. There are lots of options out there. Um, right, we move on to our fact or fiction round, Sohi. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> she says with <laughs> hesitance there. I'm like, um, okay. okay. <laughs> It's difficult to answer fact or fiction to them, but let's see how we go. Number one, being lean means you're fit. That is false. Health is determined by weight. Also false. Getting a low body fat percentage can be achieved quickly. Uh, I'm going to go with false fiction. Nutrition is the biggest influence on your body shape. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, I want to say I was like yes and no, yes and no because can I give like a yes? Yeah. Go for it. Give an answer. <laughs> nutrition, yes, nutrition. I think nutrition can determine you know like help determine body weight and body size. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as specific body shape, I think um, strength training has a pretty big impact on that as well. That was where I was hesitating a little bit. (laughs) Love it. Um, Working out in the morning means better results. Uh, False. Hydration can affect your performance. True. That is fact. Form is more important than the time for results. Hmm. I'm going to say fact. Lack of sleep can reduce muscle. Absolutely true. I know, right? One one big one there. (laughs) That sucks. Um, (laughs) If you want to get fit, rest days don't work. False. That is fiction. And the last one, fitness is more difficult with age. Also false. Yeah, that was a great fact or fiction round. That wasn't so bad. (laughs) Not only have I made you switch your aircon off because we could hear it on the mic, I've now put you in a hot seat. So I'm sorry about that. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I was like, I hope she doesn't ask me something I don't know the answer to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why we do these uh, fact or fiction rounds. Obviously, it shows the nuance that it's very hard to say just one thing's yes or yeah. no. But, um, that does nearly wrap up the episode, Zohi. But we always finish uh, with a food for thought. And I think mine today to start would be the fact that we know, well, I hope you all know by now listening to this podcast that nutrition and physical activity regularly are so beneficial for your health it's indisputable the impact that it can have on longevity lifespan quality of life and one thing that we touched on in this episode that i don't actually think we speak about enough is the importance of weight bearing exercise on our mm-hmm. um, infrastructure our skeleton and not being as frail when we age and it doesn't mean you, I guess you have to lift heavy weights. You can just lift cans of things. You go for a walk. That's still weight-bearing exercise. But ultimately, it makes such a huge difference on our lifespan and how we feel every single day. And I guess self-efficacy and the psychology around it that we've touched on is a completely fascinating area. And I, I think what Sohi's very nicely done in this episode is touched on something I don't think a lot of people are talking about at the moment, especially in her field and in the fitness industry, which I think needs a bigger voice. So, Sohi, if you could leave our listeners with a take-home message today, what would that be? Ooh, okay. So many. I got to choose one. I know. Knowledge uh, bombs today. Yes. Um... I would probably reiterate the message that whatever your outcome goal is, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, it is more important to focus on what you are doing every day to get yourself there rather Mm -hmm. than looking at the outcome and doing whatever it takes to get to the finish line and not thinking about how is what I'm doing making me feel? Um, Am I going to be able to keep this up week after week? Um, What else? Um, how is this going to impact other areas of my life? Mm. Uh, that's another big one is yeah. um, a lot of times in people's pursuit of, of their fitness goals, their quality of life goes down the gutter or their mental health really suffers and they don't even realize or they don't care. And mm. these are mistakes that I made at the beginning of my fitness journey. And looking back, I really wish I had done things differently. And a, you know, a big motivation for me for why I talk about the topics that I do on my platform is kind of speaking to a younger version of myself. Hopefully, you know, this is what I well, this is the information that I needed when I was younger at the beginning of my journey. I wish someone had mm-hmm. told me these things and no one was. And that's why I'm doing it now. Um, but also, so you lovely. don't have to. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to needlessly suffer like you know while some degree of compromise obviously needs to be made for change to happen in the right direction um, you don't have to give up everything in your life Um, you are allowed to have a social life and you know have fun and feel good about yourself while simultaneously making your way towards your goals and Mm. um, I think the other thing too is to to don't not, not, not forget to give yourself credit for for successfully implementing any behavior, any behavior that turns into a habit is something that mm. um, should be celebrated, especially if it's you know a helpful habit that is adding to your life. Um, because even if even if no matter how slow you think you're going, um, maybe by the end of the year you've you've added five good habits into your life. That's mm. five things you weren't doing before. That's pretty cool. Hundred percent. So 100%. yeah. I, so I'm I'm so big on yes. These are. They seem small to you, but they add up over time and you you will be surprised at how much your life will transform. 
Oh, sorry. That was, especially at the end, that was going, yes, yes. <laughs> to everything you were saying, I was like, we need to give ourselves a pat on the back. Um, for all of our listeners, Sohi, where can they go to find out more about the wonderful knowledge that you're spreading and the work that you do? Okay, so thankfully, my platform name is the same all across the board. Um, my yeah. username is Sohi Fit. <laughs> Um, I have my website, sohifit.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, even Clubhouse, which is the new app. Everything is sohifit, so I'm very easy to find. I am most active on Instagram, though. Amazing. Well, Sohi, thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought today. And to everybody, go check her out. She's a knowledge bomb. And have a lovely rest of your day. If you are enjoying Food for Thought, you'll absolutely love our up and coming episodes. So if you don't already subscribe, then make sure that you click to be the first to hear it every Monday. It would be brilliant as well if you have the time to leave a review and that would mean that we could reach higher highs in the charts and that would result in hopefully helping more and more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit nutrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.